Welcome to Chew the Fat with Dan and Matt. This is your fortnightly podcast where we look at everything in pop culture, some awesome science, we go round the grounds in sport, throw in a true story or two, have a good laugh and look out for a wicked quiz. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome to episode 5. Thanks for joining us. Tonight's episode starts with They Said What? Where we talk about what you said about what we said and a few shout outs. Then we're debuting a brand new segment called When I Was a Lad where we compare the past to the present. We're going to look at the road trips and how they've changed over time. Then we're off to pop culture where we've got a special guest tonight. She's going to bring along a knife and we're going to get our knives out and get stuck into the top five dickwits on television. That should be fun. And then you've got your wicked quiz. Sit back, relax and enjoy the show. All right, bro. Episode five. I know you're uh, loving the fact that we've rolled through five massive episodes. (laughs) We're at episode five. How are you going? Great, Dan. Great. Awesome to be in episode five you know blowing me away that we got this far got a little bit to share uh in they said what that we'll get into in a second because we've got a big show special surprise for you tonight bro we've got a special guest which is pretty exciting a bit later on in pop culture big week wallabies hit back and won against the all blacks which is fantastic we're not going to have sports alert but i would like to do a little shout out to the wallabies that was great that they won and then argentina the pumas get up and beat them as well ridiculous so the Pumas have never beaten the All Blacks so they've lost two in a row Pumas won 25-15 so now we've got uh, the Wallabies Pumas this Saturday and they've just both come off victories to the All Blacks which is never you never say that what do you think bro uh, that's that's a nice little sneaky sports alert slipped in there early on I think that's great like we don't have a segment of that this week Wallabies winning after the Bladderslow Cup was lost some say that's a little bit too late any victory against the All Blacks is good Right. I think the All Blacks have got to play Argentina again now. Yeah, you're right. We lost the Vladislav, and a lot of people think the Vladislav is more important than the World Cup. Now they're playing for the Tri-Nations, which, of course, isn't anywhere near as important as either of those cups that I just mentioned before. So now it's a Tri-Nations event between the Pumas, the Wallabies, and the All Blacks. All right, we've got a big show. Should we get into it, bro? Let's do it, Dan. Let's do it. Woohoo! Let's kick it off with... <gasps> they say what? So a little bit of feedback. We're going way back. Got a message from my good little nephew. He's not little at all anymore. He's a scientist. Ed. How you going, Ed? My nephew too. Yeah, he's still your nephew as well, bro. Uh, No need to cry about it, though. Come on, put yourself together. He enjoyed our top five horror movies, greatest horror movies of all time. But he did suggest that if I had seven in there, and this is a fair call, Ed. I agree with this, that Silence of the Lambs should have made a mention. One thing about that film, Hannibal Lecter has very little screen time, but he's considered one of the greatest uh, characters of all time in horror movies. But I actually really like Jane Gum, the serial killer. The dragon, and I think he gets not enough credit because that's why the movie is so very good. Is because you're flicking between you know the great police work, but also the serial killer's brilliantly done, brilliantly portrayed by the actor, creepy as hell in his dungeon house, making his suits out of skins and just how he trapped people into the van. That couch moving trick he did to get the lady in there, and I don't know. I think he's underrated. 
in that movie. To me, that's why it's so great, The Serial Killer. I mean, I love the book, and that movie is top-notch. So you're right, Ed, uh, but I think Hannibal Lecter gets probably a bit too much of the credit for that film. Yeah, so you're talking about the, uh, she puts the lotion on the skin, guy. He's a horrible villain, really, isn't he? Like, a different sort. Yeah, cunning and very driven. I think he was known as Buffalo Bill in the, in the movie because he used to skin his humps or something weird. You're right. I was calling him Red Dragon. I think that was another Thomas Harris, the earliest serial killer, Francis Dollarhide, who had a, like a cleft palate. I think, yeah, sorry, I've got those confused. You're right, bro. Good pickup. Red Dragon was Francis Dollarhide and, yeah, Buffalo Bill, James Gum. They've always got horrible names, these serial killers. There's actually like a really good song about that movie. Have you heard that song? Like, good solution, good solution, good solution. About that whole movie. Like, you listen to it and you don't realize it's actually about that movie, but I'm not gonna- <laughs> I'm not going to sing much, sing much more of it. Look it up. We'll maybe we'll play it next week a little bit. All right. All right. That sounds creepy as he talks to her in third person, like she doesn't exist. Despite her efforts to try to make him humanize her, he refuses. Put the fucking lotion up. Remember he loses it. She was good too. They were all good in that movie. The whole Quantico police thing was great. From my lovely sister, Melissa, she loves the show. Big fan. She just got a bit bored by the wrestling. And we understand that, people. Not every section is for everyone. It's a very broad podcast. Uh, We like it that way because it gives us lots of content. But if you go to your podcast platform, you should be able to go to chapter markers and just go to the bit that you like. We'd, we'd love you just to download us, just to li- listen to, say, Wild Kingdom if you're into animals or pop culture if you're into movies and what's happening in pop culture. Just go to your chapter markers and skip over bits. It's really easy to do. You don't, we don't expect you to listen through something that you don't like. You can um, find something humorous in there. Melissa's uh, giving us some really nice feedback as well, so thanks, Melissa. But, yeah, look out for those chapter markers. And she also mentioned hits on the lips, bro. Does that ring a bell? Hips on the lips, going back to things that freak me out. Yeah, Hips on the Lips was a poster that was at one of our family friend's house. The Hips on the Lips was a, it's a shortened version just to terrify you, I'm pretty sure. Like just to, it was actually on the poster had the words, um, once on the lips, forever on the hips, you know, and it had this woman surrounded by um, cakes and donuts and all this sweet food, and she was like rolling, rolling and rolling in fat, like a layer upon layer upon layer is a reference. For rules it, rules it, and rules <laughs> She had all cream all around her mouth. And, was she naked in that? Or? Yes. Was naked as the day she was born, but a lot bigger. That was what freaked me out. Anyway, as a, as a skinny little guy, he was. Uh, I think we only just had to mention that or drag you into that room to look at the poster. And he used to freak out. And, uh, yeah, shout out to all the obese people out there. We do love you. It was just when I was a child, I was <laughs> rather terrified of your kind anyway. <laughs> You jump in. Have you got anything you'd like to share? Yeah, I was listening back to it, Nan, and uh, you mentioned a guy who you knew who was on the Vegas Strip that he, I can't remember exactly, but I've got written down here that there's a guy who plays in Vegas as a friend of yours. The BG Morris Gibb, right? Yeah, he plays Morris Gibb. At the Revival BG show. He's been doing it for like 20 years. In, in Las Vegas? In Vegas. We went and saw him three years ago. And stayed with him off the strip. Uh, but yeah, he's been doing the shows at Camelot Casino for years. They've only just started playing again, actually, after the whole corona fiasco. But yeah, he plays Morris. They're so big that they actually have two of them, two groups. So he has nights off and he has a standing guy. He's got a proxy for himself who's a proxy. 
for Morris. You think Vegas Strip so glamorous, but yeah, once you're kind of exposed to that world and you have a little live in it for a bit, not as amazing as you'd think. Good luck to Wayne, though. It's a good job and not everyone can do it. He's a very talented musician. He's amazing, actually. When we stayed with him, he was like playing piano to the kids in the morning and it just blew my mind. But Vegas itself, it's one street away from the slums, really. Yeah, he's playing the Vegas Strip. Not many people can say that. Yeah, good on you, Wayne. Okay, look, uh, the rest of my feedback mainly is about wrestling. I, I found out what the final wrestling move was for the Don Morocco, and uh, it was actually the pole driver. You know, you said it was called something else. What did you say, Dan? Or was the, uh... Yeah, the Hawaiian Hammer I, I looked at. I, I just Googled it and it had a few things, but the pole driver was mentioned, and I think I remember him. Yeah, I can't remember Hawaiian Hammer or anything like that. I remember him doing quite a big move like the pole driver. Yeah, he did that, and he he's good at it. And he swung them around and dropped them on their head. That was the finishing move of the uh, magnificent one, Jake the Snake. We we didn't know what he weighed in at because he didn't do that research. One hundred ninety eight centimeters, which is not, it's not tiny. Two hundred and fifty pounds, which is one hundred and thirteen kilos. Oh, it's a pretty you big know, guy. Yeah, I did a little thing on Barrio. Do you remember we did that? On- <laughs> How could I forget Barrio? I I wondered in the last episode you know, what Barrio's win-loss record was. And uh, I look back into Barrio, and, and Barrio was actually in the same family as um, Cowboy Bob Orton and Randy Orton. So ah, that's where the O comes o from. O comes from, sounds right. And uh, he was one of the less successful wrestlers in their family, obviously. He actually had victories with his brother, Bob Orton Jr. They won a tag team championship in southeastern Lancaster or something in Canada. So he did win, but he generally was part of losing tag team. If you don't kind of have that X factor or you're not big enough or something, you kind of must take a turn and head down that cannon fodder road instead of the superhero road. He got on all sorts of uh, problems and stuff, which we won't go into tonight because it's not the Barrio show. We talked about Randy and Lanny Poffo, you know, the Randy Savage and his brother. And they, and they actually wrestled together for a while in 1978 in the Canada League. And then they actually wrestled against each other for the first time. In uh, 1978, and Lanny won by disqualification. Leaping Lanny was probably a bit of a big name in the uh, Canadian League because, of course, it was all over the country in, in leagues before cable television. And then Vince McMahon took over from his dad and turned it national. And I was watching Doco about it the other night, actually, on SPS, uh, and it just showed how it suddenly exploded into mainstream with cable television. And, of course, that documentary was Andre the Giant, which was on the other night. You know, he wasn't in either of our top fives, probably because he's not the technical wrestler. And towards the end, he just kind of stood there because his back was completely stuffed from an operation because he had basically had gigantism. But, you know, Martz and I both loved him, obviously. Just a very interesting character. And they used to call him the big man. Hulk Hogan used to say he was the guy. Guys would come in all arrogant and think they were tough guys, and Andre would just beat them down. He was he picked Hulk up and just put him. They were fighting over a bill at a restaurant, <laughs> and Andre said, "No, I pay." Hulk sort of argued with him, and he said, "Okay, you pay." And he picked him up and <laughs> said, "Hulk said like like a doll, just put him on the shelf up high in this restaurant, just put Hulk Hogan up on a shelf." And you know, it's just that powerful. Changed the face of wrestling. He was the big, huge megastar before Hogan. Vince McMahon kind of used him to make uh, wrestling massive. 
but they had to kind of move him from province to province, league to league, like a bit of a sort of freak show circus act because people would go pay to see him once but not twice. He wasn't like a Randy Savage or a Hulk Hogan or a Jake the Snake. He was more, you'd go and just go, wow, that's a big guy. But he was a pretty good wrestler. Yep. After watching that, maybe I was amiss in not putting him in there. Like, I'm, I'm a fan of good technical wrestlers, but, you know, just the sheer strength and, and size of the guy. It was amazing to watch him. I couldn't believe the size of his hands in that doco. That was really interesting. Get out there, people. Have a look at it on SBS. Great doco. He used to drink a lot of wine, man. Like, that guy was boxes of bottles of wine. He was kind of legendary for a lot of different things. The women loved him. He drank like a waterfall. I, I had a couple of funny little incidents at school this week. I was teaching um, uh, sex ed, basically, puberty. I only teach four or five. There was this moment. I've got this uh, little Korean fella in my class, and we were sitting there, and he kind of went a bit pale. He's kind of a younger sort of kid in the class, I guess, maturity-wise. Some of the kids are kind of excited about learning about puberty, and then uh, he was going a bit pale. And then <laughs> just as I was writing up boys, girls, and we were about to jump into the changes his mum rocked up at the door with a little yellow slip to take him um away and i said oh okay you're here to come get jamie and she's this polite korean lady says yes yes jamie dentist i was like oh jamie you're going to the dentist he jumped out of his seat went yes (laughs) we all cracked up he's cheering to go to the dentist so he can get out of a puberty lesson i just loved it i'd never seen a reaction like that Goings on in my job, which is different every day. It's a real fun job. Um, and then the couple of days before that, it was raining cats and dogs in Perth. And I've got an outside classroom. I thought I'd be nice because we're my class is down by the garden. They were complaining their bags are getting wet outside. So I said, oh, look, why don't you go and put them in that nice glass house next to our classroom there? I know it's for the plants, but there's room. So I got them all to put their bags in the uh, greenhouse. And then we went out there an hour later at recess and their bags were soaked. <laughs> the sprinkler system had come on in the greenhouse and just completely wrenched all their bags. So it was like a nice one. The ups and downs of teaching, not all about standing at the front doing algorithms. It's, um, yeah, it's quite humorous at times. A guy who I know, Stan, who we mentioned in the last um, podcast, gave me some feedback that he got in trouble with his wife from what I said, like about when I nearly got abducted by the Bernies because I said Stan had a couple of chicks there and I don't know who they were and I'm pretty tasty. And his wife was listening to the podcast and she's like, who's this chick, Stan? I was living with you at that stage. And he's like, oh, no. I don't know. I don't know what Matt's talking about. And then he realized it was his housemates. So he was he was in the clear, but he was a bit worried there for a while. He also said that uh, Mount Rushmore needed to have Iron Sheik in it. And he said, oh, he won the won the heavyweight championship belt, you know, and he has an awesome finishing move. And I'm like, and I checked it out. And he did actually win in 83, won the, the heavyweight belt. His finishing move, the camel clutch. And I said, is it because you like to do it on other people quite often at parties? And he's like, yeah, that was. Yeah. Stan used to regularly, or you all did, you and your mate put me into wrestling moves. Yeah, the camel clutch was one of my least favorites that Stan used to pop on me and the uh, Boston Crab. I guess I was the barrio. You know, I learned a few tricks that I could use on my mates down the track. Iron Sheik was someone that Andre hated. Andre used to actually really quite hurt him. He used to quite enjoy it. And someone that was in your top five, Big John Studd, Andre used to enter the ring like he'd step over the top rope. That's how huge he was. Big John Stud decided he'd do that as well, and Andre did not like it. Andre kind of lost lost it and really just slapped him down a bit, which I loved about Andre too. He put him back into line when they were being a bit too big for their wrestling boots. Yeah, it's interesting how it's 
so fake, but you know, there's actually kind of brutally hurt as well. Like, uh, you can have good days and you can get bad days, and you don't want to get Andre the Giant on a bad day. Talking of good days, bro, let's get into it. We've got a bit to cover and we've got a special guest, as I said. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this, Dan. We haven't had a guest before. Taking what, how many episodes before a guest? Oh, it's been at least four. Oh, four. Can't believe we've gone that long. All right, let's bring it on. When I was a lad. Hey, you come back here. Uh, uh, where am I? Where are my pants? Okay, bro. So this is our inaugural segment, When I Was a Lad. I'm actually quite excited about this. We uh, grew up, well, I grew up 70s, 80s. You were kind of 60s, 70s, I guess. And 60s? I was like 68 born, so I didn't have much of the 60s. Okay. And we've moved through a very big change in time, I think. Like a lot has happened between when we were kids and now that our kids are kids, if that makes any sense, a lot's changed. So I think this is an interesting segment because we, you know, we were around with no phones. We were around when TV had had no remote. I think I remember when we got our first microwave, we were trying to microwave bacon and thought it was amazing. Like as if you do that now, anyway, microwave bacon. But it was a lot of change. And that's only the small things. I remember trains used to have uh, doors that would open on them. During travel, you could open the door wide and jump off the Fremantle Bridge into the river. Shout out to Mouse Richardson's older brother, Phil. Yeah, I mean, this feels a bit to me like a grumpy old man episode, you know, where we're uh, groaning about kids today. When I was a lad. It has changed vastly in the last 30 years. It's amazing how much different it is. And I got some stuff written here and... uh, I reckon you probably have some as well. So what do, what do you got for us, Dan? All right, well, I thought I'd kick off. As I said in an earlier podcast, I just uh, recently went on a road trip up to Exmouth and Coral Bay, and it brought back memories of when we used to go. So I thought I'd do a little contrast comparison between uh, when I was a lad on a road trip and when I was a dad on a road trip, basically. Let's kick it off. To start with my kids, uh, it was like an Emirates flight for them, basically. Individually tailored snacks, downloads. Uh, They were rested and exercised before departure. They had their little sections perfectly set out with full-on movies and everything in their little caddies. For me, it was in the Volvo station wagon. It was a cubby, all right, but it was among the suitcases in the back of the car. I recall us all just jumping in. There was no real Tetris packing. I used to literally have to make a nest in the very back of the car with no seatbelt. You know, the kids have got heated seats, independent aircon, and I had a farting mongrel dog who cost less than the collar he wore. Uh, No seatbelt, as I said, Uh, in amongst the tent and the bags and all that. You three were in the middle, in the bench seat of the Volvo, mum and dad in the front, and I was in the back with Nelson, your dog. Yeah, that's right. Like, uh, you were right up the very back of the uh, yellow Volvo station wagon, which was a very uh, Queen Anne family truckster style with a whole bunch of stuff stacked up on the roof. It was very much vacation movies with, um, what was his name, that guy? Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase Vacation. Much like that. It was a great movie. Yeah, and we only had room for three across the back, and I don't think they had seven-seaters back then, so... You were, you were just jammed right up the top there in the back corner with the dog. Talking of um, vacation, I was sitting at the back. Like I'd look out the back and wave to cars and you know, carry on like a pork chop in the back there. I quite liked it, to be honest. But one time I'll never forget, we must have been somewhere between, I don't know, Exmouth and the, the Overlander and uh, or maybe Coral Bay and the Overlander. But this windsurfer 
just went flying through the air. There was no cars behind us, thank God, or they would have been killed. This giant 80s windsurfer just took what was flying down the road, and it was Dad's, and it ripped the roof racks clean out of the top of the car. The wind got under it, and it just, yeah, I just went, uh, Dad, I think your windsurfer has just unleashed itself. Yeah, yeah, I definitely recall that. Sitting in the middle seat, so privileged, looking up and seeing just suddenly this sunlight coming through all these holes where the roof rack used to be because it just ripped the roof rack and everything right off. Yeah, the windsurfer, one of those really old ones. Dad was a pioneer of windsurfing, by the way. We'll have to get back to that one day, but he was one of the first guys to even do it. Yeah, it just went bouncing down the road. It was, in fact, in fact just before the Calvary turn-off, so we weren't, weren't as far north as Exmouth, but we were about Binu. You remember Binu? Yeah, I do. Yeah, that's just yeah. just before the turn-off to Calvary, that really horrible long drive. You think, oh, we're nearly at Calvary, and then it's just like, mm, Hill after hill. Yes, he used to take that. Chin, he used to take me around on the back of that board. He was the only one out there. Now Dutch Inn, there's a thousand people with, you know, wave jumpers and all that. Obviously, yeah, there you go. So air conditioning was in the car, but there was holes in the roof, really. We didn't have air con. Now, as opposed to then, we'd st- we stopped over at a motel in Geraldton, had dinner out, you know, the kids bitching about, and the Wi-Fi is slow. I'd have a shower, I'd have fresh sheets. They gave this hotel in Geraldton a half-star rating because of its crappy Wi-Fi. Now, we used to drive straight through. The only entertainment we had was reading The Howling. We took um, turns in reading a novel. We'd pass back and front. You know, everyone would have a read of a chapter. I'd stop only to spew or if dad saw some roadkill and some skulls he didn't have yet. I know you're going to touch on that, bro. But, you know, that was the only break we got. We'd get horrible stale sandwiches and we'd stop if I spewed pretty much, which I did regularly, if I recall. I I think you're missing out on the fact that we had uh, eight-track stereo in that car. And it was playing uh, Rolf Harris's White Christmas or Six White Boomers constantly in that car. We had that and maybe a bit of Roger Whitaker, was that the whistling dude? Yeah, and Chris Christopherson. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's. That's my next point. We, like, with the kids, we, you know, they've obviously got their iPads. I point out landmarks, put on the podcast, of course, play mindless amounts of guessing games. Um, And, yeah, they just put on an eight-track of Chris Christophers and Johnny Cash, and we'd just have to listen to that, suffering our jocks, until I got left behind at the Overlander, of course. I think they left me behind one time. Is that correct, bro? They just drove off without me. Yep. As far as I remember, um, we uh, all loaded back in the car, and, you know, Everyone's done a wee and grabbed a, uh, I don't even know if they had like sausage rolls in those days, but we all jumped back in and it was a bit easy to miss you because, you know, you didn't, didn't have a seat. You were right at the back there. Off we went. We are down the road a bit and I think someone said, hey, where, where's Dan? And like, you weren't in the back there. So we had to swing back around. There you were standing on the side of the road, just looking looking down the highway lonely. And, uh, <laughs> like Bruce Banner. Da, 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 da. Cost us about 30 minutes of that trip, bro. That oh, pretty oh, so sorry. Yeah, someone would have been like, oh, yeah, darts, your turn for um, guess who or something. And then, mm. yeah, no answer. Just Nelson in the back, though. Don't forget we, the dog. Yeah, that's right. We would have said, like, I spy. Come on, dude, it's your turn. What? He's not even there. <laughs> no ice creams or sausage rolls or anything like that. I think we just had sandwiches, like, that were getting Whoa. pretty old. Yeah, warm tomato sauce, bologna sandwiches. So then, of course, we finally get there and take my uh, cubby apart from the back, you know, and it, we have to reconstruct it in the back of someone's backyard, and that's our house. The good old tent, canvas, and metal poles in the back of someone's yard in Calberry. That's when I was a lad. We made our own house, but my kids get to go on tours, you know, eat out, 
generally live it up. We went buggying, dune buggying, and staying in these fancy bloody villas and pools, and they demand it all. So when I was a lad, it was set the tent up, off you go, and come back in a week, and then we'll head home basically entertain yourself. You know, we had to totally fend for ourselves in Calberry. I remember it was like Lord of the Flies. That was the social structure. You'd beg for a club soda and a pack of Sandboy chips outside the pub. If you were lucky, you'd, you'd get that. The parents, you would. I don't think you'd really see them. I can't recall going on many outings. Can you, bro? No, no. I remember we had to scare the bobtail guanas out of our tent and uh, get the uh, ticks pulled out of our armpits. But generally, yeah, we just... Went went in the bush down in the river there, river mouth, big octopus. And uh, we'd get the octopus and then we'd take it to the bait shop and the guy, you know, we'd get a bucket of ockies and then we'd take it to the bait shop. The guy would give us like 50 cents of ockie and then we'd take that money to the uh, fish and chip shop or the, the, the lock shop and, and, and load up, you know. So it was, it was actually a joy life when you think about it. Yeah, I was getting to that. I mean, I am bitching and moaning. The kids have got it easy, but it was bloody good. We um, pretty much left our own devices. You had your pair of um, stubbies boardies and your thongs full of double Gs. You don't eventually have to pluck all the double Gs out because you'd be walking on double Gs. And you'd just head off and have adventures in the red hot heat, hit the beach. It was pretty free, sort of a lifestyle. It really was. And you'd just rock up to the pub to see how the parents were going and hit them up for a pack of chips, as I said. So it was good. But, you know, when I was a lad, uh, the road trip was a very different thing. Back of the old Volvo. Yeah, it sounds like uh, you really laid on for your kids. You know, we uh, make up some crap sandwiches and uh, they eat them all in about the first half hour as we're driving. And then we got to stop at every servo for a, for a piss. But generally, the wife more than the kids, they don't even want to get out. They're all just watching their own gadget. Can't even hardly get a word out of them, generally. Ollie does a lot of, are we there yet? Are we there yet? And he thinks it's really funny to do it in the first half hour of the trip you can't live with that road trip we'll be doing more i guess but i would like to go on one of your ones they sound really good yeah you know what i probably just painted myself into a corner there like i've clearly spoiled my kids and they need to toughen up we need to go a little bit more hardcore road trips i think have changed obviously the laws have changed god imagine putting a kid in the back back here station wagon in amongst the luggage we used to that's how we used to get into the uh, drive-ins free too of course i never used to pay for the drive-ins you could sit in the back of a ute all the way to freaking calbarry in the old days if you're happy enough to get your face blown off by the wind yeah well see i had this xp falcon that didn't have seat belts and because it didn't have them and was made before them legally i didn't have to wear one which was weird i always felt very strange and in, in a complete cast iron car it was quite dangerous so we used to stop a fair bit for dad when he you know i love that about the trip north seeing the wedge tails in the middle of the road feasting on kangaroo kidneys or liver or whatever they're a heart or something and they just just take off in time before they hit your windshield roadkill that's a lot of that and i was going to ask you whether you know where it started just because uh, our father he had quite a, a large collection of animal skulls i'm not sure where it started from and why he did it i can't really recall that but i do remember we would just pull over he'd see some sort of roadkill on the side of the road and he's like oh i haven't got one of those and so we'd pull up and he, he'd like get out of the car on the side of the road and we were all like come on we want to go had these big boots uh, they're called sax sax etc s-a-x 
and he had them on his skinny little legs, and he'd stand on the animal, and he'd like pull and pull and crunch its head right off. And then he, I don't know, he must have bought wire along, I guess, and he'd put the yeah. wire right through its eyeballs, and then he'd wire it up to the roof rack on the Volvo, the root same roof rack that just blew off down at Benu down the road. And we'd drive off with his freaking rotting skull on the side of the car, and like we'd drive, 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 we'd get someplace, you know, oh, we're finally here, and then. People were just looking at it. You know, it would just stink, you know. It's stinking. He'd like keep it on there for the whole trip. And then when we get back to Perth, he'd take it and put it on an anthill and the lands would eat the meat off it. So it was perfectly white. I think he used to bleach it a bit. He'd go into his collection. I think it might have started with in Bali, he got a turtle. Back in the day, you were allowed to buy stuff like that. And then he just developed it from there. Of course, as a surgeon, interested in anatomy. But he, I actually took on his collection. I've still got it. It's being used in the science room at uh, my primary school here where I work. Kids are looking at it and learning from it, which is awesome. He had an amazing collection. So there was flying foxes and wombat, some really, really cool little mammals, lots of birds, some reptiles. But one thing people always used to sort of look at me weird because I used to have it in my house after dad didn't want it anymore and um, just think you're a sicko. I'm like, I, d- I didn't kill these animals. I'm just taking this. And the same with dad. He was like, never killed any. He just took them when they were dead. And there's, I remember one time we were at Greenhead, dad and I, and we walking along the reef one day and there was this huge seal, massive seal in in under the ledge. I think it was pregnant or something, but it was not moving. And we looked at it and thought, oh, whoa, it's dead. It's in there and it's dead. We like chucked a rock at it and it didn't budge. So he came back that night with all we had was a big bread knife. <laughs> he was going to hack its head off and get this prize big seal skull. And it was gone. We got there and it was gone. Thank God. Lucky for the seal. When he was in Tasmania with his uh, second wife, he was driving around Tassie, you know, doing a tour. And, and of course, dead Tasmanian devil on the side of the road, you know, with his tour car. He could not help himself. So off he hopped, jumped out, got a pocket knife out that he had and hacked off the head of this uh, Tasmanian devil. You can imagine they're probably endangered species. But he puts it into his uh, plastic bag and whacks it in his suitcase. Yeah. And then flies from Tassie to Melbourne, Melbourne to Perth, with a stinky freaking Tassie devil head in his uh, luggage all the way, brings it back. One of his prized skulls that he had there, you know. It was like amazing, impressive. I got some more here. He, He had a dolphin skull. Which again, yeah. it wouldn't be allowed to have, but he had that. That was really impressive. And this wild boar skull, which had huge tusks and stuff like that. So once people sort of got the idea that Al Turner was collecting skulls, his mates and all the people knew they kind of like would pick up stuff for him as well. So he had like this network going on, you know. So I remember Keith Graham got the dolphin skull for him. I'm not sure where he got the wild boar. And I, uh, I was at UWA doing um, biology. You know, the lecturer, you know, he's saying um, we're doing uh, dentistry. And, and muscle, facial muscles, you know, like how the how the muscles on the face work and how, compared to their dentition, you know. And if you can find a skull at all and bring it in, we'll look at how the face works and how, how the muscles join and, and how the dentition how it relates. Everyone's going, yeah, yeah, no worries. And so people bring in like a, a little rat head or a little guinea pig head, you know, and I come in with a dolphin head and a, and a um, wild boar head and, like, the guy's like, <laughs> what? You know, perfectly preserved and, like, they, he puts them up there and it's like, we're, the whole lecture was basically on, you know, how the dolphin's got these tiny little teeth for catching fish and how this wild boar's got these enormous balls and teeth. Yeah, the guy with, the, like you say, the magpie head, he's kind of like, eh, let's put that at the side. <laughs> anyway, the guy goes to me, can, 
can I keep these for my next lecture because i got the next class coming doing the same thing? And I said, yeah, no worries. I went to get them back and the guy's like, you know, these these are really valuable learning tools. Do you, do you mind if we keep them around for a while? And I went, yeah, no worries. Still there at, at the university and uh, I'm, I imagine they're still showing students how important and an idea of it. So like that, I told dad this after a while because he just thought they just disappeared for some reason. But like I said, no, I took them to the uni and I never got them back. He was cool with it. Well, that's a good thing. That's what the whole collection is. Is doing now the science teacher uses them to look at evolution and yeah different ways that animals eat and feed and hunt so good on dad for collecting that it's fascinating so it was a really good collection i had it for years in this glass cabinet it kind of stunk a little bit even though they were all uh dead and preserved but amazing right from reptiles i even had amphibians right through to the, some large mammals can i ask you like in the collection is there a human skull well i thought you bought that I certainly had the, yeah, the human skull is there. It's at school. Uh, everyone freaks out about that and says, how did you get that? And I always blame you. I reckon you got it at some uh, thrift shop, you know, that one of those weird shops where you go and get uh, taxidermy and stuff like that. Probably where that weird animal that you were talking about, Jack. The jackalope. Where you'd find a jackalope. And we actually used to use the skull because the cap of the skull yeah. used to come off. Yeah, I don't know who the poor bugger is, but uh, that'd be illegal too, probably. Yeah, my friend's asking me about that. Like, he goes, did you really have like a real human skull? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, I remember we went and picked that up. And yeah, and he goes, I remember we went to Midland to this guy's house. You know, in the old days, they didn't have Gumtree or Marketplace or whatever. So it was in the in the back of the Sunday Times, classified. And you'd look under there, look under there, and then there was like, oh, human skulls. So yeah, sure. And I ring up the guy, yeah, come out and get it. You know, I went out there and he had two human skulls. And then he had a whole skeleton as well. You know, like... David Burney, Burney Tank. Well, he certainly had a good acid bath because he, he cleaned them up pretty good. And oh, it's going to say, you cannot just buy a human part out of the Sunday Times. And I was like, well, we did it in those days. So I don't know whose skull that is. But did like, you not oh. think maybe this is the classic perfect way to get rid of a body from a serial killer? Put them in the gum tree and get rid of them. Sell the parts off to people. Maybe the cops can come and scrape a bit of DNA off that and find out who it is. I remember Dad was really impressed once because I was up at Exmouth. These bats came and like nested in a um, toilet block. Just went in there and uh, up in the corner there, you know, you'd go in there and do your business in the morning and these little bats would be hunkered up there in the corner of the toilet. Kind of scary. They all left except one who just sort of like died and went, ah, fell to the ground. I did the good thing and put him on the ant's nest. Brought it down to Perth the next time I came. So I was the one who brought him that bat skull have you got the bat skull <laughs> so hang on you went into the old thunderbox mm-hmm. there was a, a colony of bats and you went in on the right hand side of course and one passed away one died <laughs> the rest took off and one of them didn't make it couldn't quite suffer through the uh agony of that no that's right must have the fumes must have i do remember the fruit bat it's a, actually a really good skull You'd ask with ideas, what would you like to talk about as far as comparing now and then? Now, things have changed a lot. Chew the fat with Dan and Matt at gmail.com. Hit us with an email for any uh, thoughts, questions, anything you like. When I was a lad. Hey, you come back here. Uh, uh, where am I? Where are my pants? Okay, it's time for pop culture.
All right. I'm very excited today uh, in pop culture. We've got a really, really special guest. Uh, first time we've had three people on the podcast for our Mount Rushmore. Bro, who's our special guest today? We've got a third person on the podcast. This is incredible. A guest star. Who's our guest star, Dan? Well, you know what? I threw to you for that, but let's just do the full boomerang. We have got our fabulous sister, Olivia, known uh, to many as Lily. Pleasure to have all on board. All as well many names uh fabulous sister and she's going to join us for the mount rushmore and our mount rushmore this week is uh we, we don't normally have a crack at people on this show we like the love but uh today we're just gonna have a bit of a crack uh and we've brought in our special expert she's very observant of people loves having a crack every now and then and we're going to do uh top five dickwits on TV. Uh, so we'll get into that in a minute, but we, you know, we're so lucky to have Olivia on board that we're going to hit her with a few questions, I think, before we start. How are you going there, Lily? Very well, thank you. Oh, I'm shouting there. All good over here. Cruisy Sunday afternoon. Excellent. Well, welcome to the show and thanks so much for joining us. Oh, uh, thanks and for no having doubt, me. No doubt you've got five real dickwits on your list, bro. Yeah, I wasn't sure which sister you'd got on today, Dan. I knew that you said there was a guest star sister, but you and I having uh, six sisters could have been one of many, really. How many sisters have we got? I don't think I've got, got six. I think you got four. four. Yes, you brought her in on the right topic, Dan. Like you say, we're generally positive sort of podcast. I was surprised <laughs> Dan has brought up this topic, but uh, I, I, before we get into it, a couple of questions for all. As a long-time listener, Olivia, you would have listened to our episode about the things that freaked Dan out, which was a long list of stuff, right? In that, we discussed going to the Civic Centre for the uh, annual Christmas dress-up party, right? Yes. Okay, so do you remember, like, going along there and getting uh, a prize for dressing up as the Queen? I do definitely remember going to quite a few of the dress-ups. But I don't remember dressing as a queen particularly. I do remember winning, though, with you on that night. It was a very exciting night to both take out a prize. But I definitely remember the dress-up that our grandma used to take us to every year. Yeah, so it was Grandma Brown who used to take us along. She always had little weird events that she would take us to, like, was it Carol's by Candle? Something down in the the village. Oh, yeah, the Christmas pageant. I've got something about later. Bring that back. But, uh, yeah, the village, that was uh, just Cottesloe, right? Yes, that's Napoleon Street, the village, when it had like still had a green grocer on the street. Bruno. Bruno, <laughs> yes. He used to stress her out to drive into the city. She got very stressed just driving down to the village. So that was yes. a big deal, driving down to the village. In the shiny poo brown Tirana, which one time I had a toilet accident <laughs> and she made me sit on a towel. You sharted. You sharted I sharted. I was in dark. We were, we were laughing and chasing each other in the garden. I sharted in a white short. Those things are vinyl. She was so mean about it. Like, how oh, hideous, Olivia. We <laughs> laughed so hard. You sharted. Sharted the piranha. Yeah. Yeah. She was very proud of that car. It was very shiny. Okay, so you do recall that, but you don't remember winning. Well, I think I got best boy and you got, like, most original or something. Like, it was a pretty lesser prize than my one, but, you know, well done. And I got loser yes. of the night, Wee Willy Winky, for sure. Yeah, I do definitely remember you going as Wee Willy Winky does and crying about that because you had no pants on or something. <laughs> it was a very last-minute put-together costume. I'm wondering whether they still have the uh, annual... Christmas party down there, like I might make my kids go along there. That'd be good. Well, of course, Lily got married at the same venue, the Civic Centre. That's uh... yes. The 
costume party thing was in that weird wood hall, wasn't it? It's like The Shining. It was kind of all chandeliers, but eerie. Okay, another thing I'd ask. Do you remember carving my name into the dining table of our house? I think that was darts, quite frankly. I think I ah! I got dragged out by my ear by Dad. What are you written here? And it's like, look there, and it's like, Matthew's carved into the dining room table. And I'm like, what the hell? I didn't do that. <laughs> got a that fair flogging. Actually, that was actually very naughty because if my, one of my kids did that now, I'd be absolutely furious. Yes. I've got a memory of did we all have to wait in the dining room until someone admitted and then everyone admitted and mum didn't accept anyone's admission. She was like, no, you didn't do it. And then it was like, well, then it was me. No, you didn't do it. <laughs> none of us had so we, And we just had to wait it out. We all admitted it and none of us yeah. did it. And that was another episode of that same room, Darts, where someone cracked some walnuts open and left oh. the shell on the side bureau, and no one would admit it. We weren't allowed to leave until someone admitted it. Yeah, the shell fiasco, I recall yeah. that. I mean, Crap really, who cares? I know. I think it was Mart's by the time. What? <laughs> no, like, I'm a, I, I did the walnuts, but that was, I didn't do the carving. <laughs> his excuse, his argument was, why would I be so stupid to write my own name? And I went, oh, that's exactly. quite a good argument, actually. <laughs> Yeah, which makes me think he thought of that. So it was real double, double, oh, double. Oh, double. Oh. Yeah, double, double, double. I wasn't, I wasn't that mean to try and get someone in trouble for no reason. I was just... No, he wasn't. He's not, he wasn't a very vindictive child, Darts. That would be no, my agree. And I think he was the first one to say, yeah, I did it. Can we go now? No, I like that time I farted in his room and then Dad came in. And I, my dad was really strict about farting. So I went into Martin's room, just let out a big fart and then ran off. And then dad just happened to come down and say goodnight. He went, Jesus, God, God, man, you stink. <laughs> and I was in my room just going, yeah. uh, He wow. used to come wake me up in the morning when I was in high school. Same thing. I used to fart all night and he'd come in and go, good God, boy, get up and get to the pool. That, decent food. That that must be where I get it from. I'm so angry at Ollie farting. I'm like, he just his farts and just thinks it's funny. And I'm like, Jesus, man. <laughs> I'm really bad with it too. I say to the kids, you must never fart in the kitchen where food is being prepared. Yeah, we, fart, we got fart shamed by our family. And you know, I've got a real problem with pistachio nuts and everywhere as well, so... Might be the walnut. Mm. Sins of the father, people. Sins of the father. Girls always talk to me about how they did their first fart in front of their boyfriend in bed. And I go, oh, ew. Right. Yeah, I held up my farts for years. <laughs> Those come out in your stinky burps. All right, I've got more. One time we're sitting in a kitchen, grandma and grandpa, Pete Brown, who seems to, she's been mentioned a lot in our podcast, hasn't she, Dan? Every episode, I'm pretty really? sure. Really? Oh. Yeah, I don't know where Melissa was. Hi, Melissa, other sister. How are you going out there? Because I know you're a listener. Anyway, Olivia got hold of your um, diary somehow, and your diary was like very, very educational for young people. And Olivia's reading it through. So Grandpa's eating his soup. This is generally what happens. He's eating soup on at the kitchen table. Olivia's reading this diary, and she goes, "What's that?" And she says, "She'd written in a diary. I love to have a beer with Duncan. I love to have a beer with Dunk. I love to have a beer with Duncan because Duncan's a Dro- drops his spoon to his soup, and my grandma's like, "Oh, I can't say that." 
He grabbed the diary. I think I grabbed the diary off her and said, what? Show me that. Do you remember that, Olivia? Oh, my God, yes. And I hadn't heard of that word before, so I was quite, I thought, oh, that's quite like good rhyming. What's that word mean? Talking about uh, Melissa's diary, yeah, educational. Quite the lady about town at that time. Wasn't she quite glamorous? <laughs> she was glamorous. Yes, she was pretty popular with the male folk. I remember walking along Marine Parade uh, there on a Sunday. Uh, I would have been 10 or 11, skinny little kid, and she's moving her hips in a gold bikini, very uh, scant bikini, I might add. These um, utes were driving of country boys, full of country boys up to the OBH, and they'd be like, hey, yeah, woo, honking the horns. And Melissa turned to me and said, they're honking at you, you know. A 10-year-old skinny kid walking to the OBH. Yeah. <laughs> Not, yeah, but we was... love her very much. We do. Great. She's still, like, amazing. She, she's quite ageless, quite frankly. Good work, Melissa. All right. Are you eating, eating jerky? Mm-hmm. Mm, yum. Back. Yeah, actually, it's quite a good opportunity for me to have a bit of a bitch about Marts, to be honest. Um, some of his uh, on-air antics, <laughs> chewing beef jerky, you know, turning the old pages, flicking the bevel on his watch, any the stuff I have to cut out in editing, it's quite phenomenal, Lily. So it's nice to have you on board so I can, uh, you know, you can experience it. Too. Fiddle-faffing. Fiddle-faffing about. <laughs> We've got to make us feel... Malka, so feel at home, right? Just gotta... Yeah. That's the way I roll. All right. Well, we brought Lily in as an expert. I remember sitting with you all actually in, in Hay Street Mall and we'd just people watch and we'd bitch a fair bit about what we were seeing. And it was it was just a lot of fun. We could have a packet of chips and just sit there and uh, observe and laugh. Uh, but you were next level good at it. You were quite bold though. They, the people would be right there and <laughs> you'd be so how ordinary they were so i'm quite excited to have you uh and your top five so we're looking at the top five dickwits on television mm. as special guest and and lady you should go first i tried to rack my brain about female dickwits on tv and i just couldn't find any in my, yeah. my heart of hearts i couldn't go yeah that one really annoys me more than any of these men i've got I find the men are very annoying. I actually did think about Carrie Ann Kenley, but then I went, no, I actually quite liked her when I saw her on 60 Minutes the other day. All minor women, yeah, so that's weird. (laughs) (laughs) So for number five of the most annoying dickwit people on TV, I have got Carl Stefanovic from the Today Show. Oh. Just a pain in the ass. Ridiculous fat head, bad haircut, and just not at all funny. Just like oh, like over laughing all the time, like because oh, I don't really know what to say, so I'm just gonna have a laughing fit on TV and hope that people think it's funny, you know? Just nah. Yeah, yeah, and that's like the blokey bloke, like yeah, oh, blokes. Yeah, he's just a knob. Yeah, I agree with that one. I totally agree with you, Lily. And he and he tries to ingratiate himself with the audience by just not really following the rules of interviewing and be matesy, like you said, bro. With with got like surfers that are on the show or something, he tries to be cool and it's like and he's hung over most of the time he's red-faced and yeah bloated and irrelevant stuff like you'll be talking to someone about something important and you go oh what's that in the background there is that your girlfriend on top of that adulterer adulterer we just we don't like no not on this show no bonus points for that good call okay so number four i've gone for this super annoying idiot called john crier from two and a half men plays the brother of charlie sheen (laughs) <laughs> yes, the <laughs> little dorky guy, yeah. Yes, he's so foul, and he's never done anything good. 
Except be that reject Alan Harper is his name, is his character on Two and a Half Men with Charlie Sheen. Alan. Really distressing name in general. He had no redeeming features at all. There's nothing that was good about him, was there? He was a coward. He was Weasley. He was not good looking. Yeah. He was a bad dad. Bad dad. Terrible. And at the end, like towards the end of the seasons, we had to keep seeing him in bed in sex scenes. So I was like, ew, really weedy white chest. I think towards the end, didn't we even get to see the sun starting to get into the sheets? Yeah, yeah I think we had to do a lot of sheet watching in that show. Uh, did you like that show, Marks? That's a very, I would think you would hate that show, Two and a Half Men. You're right, you're correct. I hated that show. I didn't watch it very often. But I do remember that no. guy, he's, he used to get Charlie's scraps. Number three is David Swimmer from Friends, a.k.a. Ross Geller. Super annoying Reject on Friends. One of the only few cast members who went on to do absolutely nothing except be the voice of Melman from Madagascar. Worst character on Madagascar. The whinging, complaining giraffe. And then went on to play Robert Kardashian in the OJ Simpson TV series. Dreadful. Robert? He's the son that's not even on the Kardashian show. <laughs> no, that's... Robert's the husband that was OJ Simpson's best friend. Oh, the lawyer. And the boy is called Robert. You're correct. You're correct, though, Darts, because that's Robert... Kardashian Jr. Rob, Rob Jr. Rob. Yeah. yeah, David Schwimmer. If you see a show with David Schwimmer, it's it's instantly B slash C grade telly movie. Mm, yep. That was OJ was telly movie. Number two. Alf, the alien from the alien oh, show. Alf. Oh, no. <laughs> yes. You can't too far. No, I can't have it. I can't. I can't have alien life form for planet Melmac. Not funny. Sorry, Alf, go back to where you came from. Oh, I like to eat cats. Oh, oh, oh. Not funny. Razor sharp humour of him eating the food out of the fridge. Cut oh, phew, fantastic. <laughs> Cutting edge stuff. Behind the couch. Ooh. What's behind there? Yeah, I think that's one of those shows, if you looked back at it, it was very tired, very early. Yeah, just never even funny. Uh, so then next I've got uh, Pete Evans, that terrible chef, MKR. How bad is he? He tells women not to breastfeed to give their babies bone broth instead of breastfeeding, <sighs> awful facial expressions, stupid cookbooks that make no sense. Terrible. Yeah, I have written down here as super flog because he's such a dickwad. Doesn't believe in vaccinating or anything like yep. that. Crazy conspiracy nut. He's got this whole theory about aliens and trying to yep. flog off um, some UV lamp that's going to cure coronavirus and it's just dangerous. we got five of his cookbooks. And so my top most annoying dickwad character and person on TV, it's a bit controversial because I checked it with my husband and he kind of, Darren Stevens, played by Dick York. From Bewitched. Oh, so you don't mind Dick York, but you hate Darren, just to clarify? I, ha I hate Darren, and I hated the guy, Dick York, that played the original Darren, because there's no way hot-smoking Samantha was a guy or the guy that looked like Darren Stephen. Two, he was a whiner. He never let her be herself, do her tricks and her little witchy stuff. He wanted her to just serve the dinner in a little dress every night. Sam, Sam, with those big ears and that big nose. Shout out to Tabitha too on that topic. Your Tabitha. daughter, Tabby. And the mother-in-law was the best on that show and she hated him, so it just made me hate him even more. Doing. And Mrs. Kravitz would be looking from across the road. What's going on over there? So there you go, guys. Uh, hopefully I can come back with some women at some point, but giving you five of the floggers. Is it five? One, two, three. I did have six. Sorry about that. 
There you go. You're allowed special yeah. man. Martin only has 12. It's a very good inaugural dart for you. I think that was your right on oh, topic. Uh, yeah, really good choices. They're all flogs. No doubt about it. Double points there from being idiots in real life as well. I reckon Darren... Darren did all right in the circumstances. I'm not sure whether I can run with that guy. <laughs> what I'm like. he, had, he had a witch as a wife. It was the 50s. You know, he was trying to hold things down. And that actor, I don't know if you remember, he got cut. Remember when suddenly we had a new Darren? Because he got addicted to painkillers because of a back injury. And they went, uh-oh, Darren, you're out. Dick York. Sorry, Dick. No addictions here, please. He went from one dick to the next. I might jump in with my top five next, bro. My number five is Osher Ginsberg. And I know this will be a little bit uh-huh. Some people love the Osh. His stage name was Andrew G. Anyone that's got a stage name that's different to their actual name is a bit of a twat in my books. But for me, I just can't stand. He, he was overexposed this year. He was on The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, Bachelor in Paradise, Mars Singer. Everywhere you look, there's Osher's head. His hairstyle was a bit much for me. But really, the, what pushed him over the edge and put him in my top five was how he presents the rose ceremony he walks in like it's a funeral (laughs) and then he's just like jamie i'm afraid you have not received a rose at this time could you i think jamie knows he didn't get one (laughs) <laughs> Jamie, Jamie could have got my in my top five too for just being a shocking uh, bachelor on oh, paradise. The fireman, the fireman, the fireman Jamie. Who I really, surely he's not a fireman. Anyone that thick would not know how to put out a fire. Gosh, yeah, too much, overexposed, and too dramatic with the roses. Yes. Thanks. And Gogglebox, I actually find it really quite entertaining. I laugh out loud, not on many shows these days, but Gogglebox actually makes me laugh out loud. But there's one person that just gives me the absolute shits on that show, and it's Anastasia, who's this big Greek model uh, too. She's got her friend Faye. You know, they're lovely. I'm not here to um, drag her down, but she's just too parochial with her Greek, you know, waving the Greek flag. Oh, this Greek, that Greek. And then she's got an Australian pillow on her lap. And uh, as soon as the Greeks stuff up, oh, they're not Greek. They're Macedonian or something. But yeah. um, just yeah, too much, over patriotic. Um, and I just don't like that she just sits on that couch and just um, – it shows a lot of ignorance. So sorry, Anastasia, you're my yeah. number four. I know and you're she got up fan. once, remember that? She got up out of that chair. Oh, Everyone yeah. just about passed out. <laughs> please sit down, <laughs> Anastasia, please. So um, number three, this guy, you know, he's got a lot of respect. He knows a lot about different sports, but I just don't think there's a place for him in the AFL commentary box. That's little Bruce McAvaney. Uh, I just can't stand <laughs> commentary. I think he's too effeminate. I love women in the game. I think that new Daisy Pierce is fantastic. She knows more about footy than most uh, guys. He's too effeminate. Too many adjectives like, oh, lovely and wonderful. And he gets <laughs> overly excited. I feel like he's sitting on Brian Taylor's lap while he's doing the commentary and just he's too pandering. So sorry, Bruce. I love you in the Olympics. It's all good there, but as far as the AFL commentator, no chop for me. Yeah, very flowery language for AFL. Yeah, it gets sure. awkward. Yeah, it gets a bit awkward for me. And following on from that, my number two is old Baz Zemplis. Basil, oh. now the little pair of Perth. Yeah. Uh, hats off to Basil because he literally will do anything to get his face on TV. Did a show called Love on the Box when I was going through uni and he came and was on the show. It was like a community television show and he rocked up and I shot a scene with him where he acted himself, but he came all the way out and shot the show. He actually went and received an award at UWA for the biggest loser. He actually fronted up, picked the award up. So hats off to him. He'll do anything uh, to promote himself. And, you know, he's clearly done well out of it because he's 
his face is everywhere. It's his hands. If you watch his hands when he talks, I think he might have been to hand school or something because he's oh. got all these hand gestures. You won't be able to unwatch that now when you watch Baz. Yeah, just a little bit too oversaturated with Basil as well. Mm. I've got Basil on my list. He's a, a depressing personality. <laughs> personality, like we in Perth, we're proud of our city. Basil's like a big part of our city now. Yeah, Lord Mayor. Lord Mayor of Perth. Yeah, no, can't have Basil. And Basil, to be honest, that uh, doco he did on Ben Cousins was shameful. Oh, that was shameful. Vulture, vulturing journalism at its very worst. Oh, so shame on you for that, Basil. And also recently made a very bad remark about transgender people. Had to just go out and apologise to everyone. <laughs> on air, like on a radio show, like, you're born with a penis, you're a man. You're born with a vagina, you're a woman. Let's get on with it. Like, yeah, I see it. All right, my number one. Uh, this might be a hint. See if you can guess from this. <laughs> Is that from Skippy? I hate the show and I hate the host. That's a hate much, but I cannot stand Scott Cam. He drives. Oh, oh me too. I forgot about him. I literally cannot handle him. Any guy that thinks he's really a man because he wears a tool belt and has his name on a hard hat really uh, needs a good hard mm-hmm. look in the mirror. His little offside Dan, who thanks, mate, you've ruined my name. Uh, <laughs> It makes it just worse, and he's just so annoying with his little worker's hands and his chalk, mm-hmm. and he can't stand him. I have to actually, I have to turn the TV over as soon as his mug hits the TV. I was very happy to hear he was getting replaced. Has he been replaced on the block? I think so. There were rumours. I think Jamie Jury, who's an old <gasps> twat. Oh, he's bad too. There's a lot of men twats. See, where are all the women? They're not really coming up on any of you guys. No, that's it for me and not one woman. No, you're dead right. I didn't even think about that. A lot of the men have got a great face for radio and they should not be on TV at all. Okay, I'm up, right? That's right, bro. Take it away. All right, well, I think mine's going to be pretty short because I had Pete Evans. Yeah. Like I say, he's a total knob, and uh, we've got cookbooks of his everywhere, and they're uh, pretty hard to follow, like you say. And then I had Scott Camp. Scott Camp. Oh! I had as, as a, a, he's a total disgrace to all tradies. I, I'm, a, I'm kind of a tradie myself with a Bachelor of Science, I might add, but a tradie anyway. And uh, I think he's a total wanker, and he's probably never dug a hole in his life by the looks of him. He just gets around in his little tradie outfit. Man, I've got to say that I don't watch a lot of television. I don't, I don't get to see a lot of these dudes you're talking about, especially the uh, reality TV ones. Okay, number three, though, I've got uh, some fresh meat here. I've got mm-hmm. Dermot Raritan. You know, Dermy, the, the kid, the champion from Hall. Great player, gutsy player, but a total norm. And I can't stand it. When he commentates the Eagles games, only ones I watch. The wife won't let me watch too many games. He's going to go uh, out the back with your wireless, Mark. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's what Jamie does. Brayden has a major problem with the Eagles. I think maybe, I don't know why, just because we won a few games. I think they beat us most times. So he was in the, in the team, but uh, he just doesn't like the fact that, that, that we're a power team. And uh, I mean, not many people do. Burton just makes it so obvious. And the, the excitement when someone does something good against the Eagles just makes me a bit want to vomit. comes up in my mouth like, yeah. I think he used to fight with Carl Langdon a lot on field. Woosher ironed him out once. I was at a game, Hawks versus Eagles, and John Warsfold just cleaned his cage out in the goal square. That may have uh, left a lasting impression on him. Good call, bro. He's a twat. This last one might be a bit controversial. Earlier on in the podcast, you were saying that you used to go to Channel 7 parades. What was it that Nanny used to take us at? Nanny? That's not- <laughs> Nanny Club. Yeah, um, not that Nanny bad Club. Is it Channel 7 Christmas pageant? Yeah, it'd be Fat Cat, right? Freaking yes. Fat Cat. I hate freaking Fat Cat. That fat, 
outfit. You used to wear little German overalls, like uh, <laughs> a fe- feline freaking ranger, freaking cat, man. <laughs> I was always in, in Percy's camp. Now, stick with me. Yeah. It was a good dude. He's in the background doing the right thing. Old fat cat was always up the front there taking the glory. A poor old Percy had to sit back. I remember trying to get up to fat cat and have, you know, like a bit of a cuddle and a thing. And, you know, it just got pushed away. Fat cat was too, too good for old Matt Turner, that's for sure. So. Yeah, too busy, too busy. Piss off, fat cat. Off you go. Going to bed when fat cat goes to bed. That used to piss me off. He would go and see him and like, no, I'm bed. <laughs> we yeah, could I'd... turn the TV down. Yeah. Why did he, what happened to Penguin Percy? He just got phased out. Yes, good question. Bring back Percy. Fat Cat probably had him cut. His yeah, costume yeah. did look about 30 years old, Percy's. It's saggy in the bum, wasn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> They're like, no, Percy, no new costume for you. We've got to fix Fat Cat. <laughs> Shorts. <laughs> he did have those German bloody hoodies. Yeah, freaking nasty <laughs> fucking cat. Uh, one thing I saw at a waffle game once, Fat Cat get absolutely beaten the living daylights out of by Swan Districts fans, so that could make you happy, bro. You got work punching. I'd like to see that. His bedroom so depressing, that bed with the big tennis racket. <laughs> <laughs> the bed, the bed's about that big. <laughs> <laughs> in his red shoes. Yeah, take his shoes off, back then. No kids want to sleep with their shoes yeah. on. So, any other special mentions? I've got one that we have to touch on if we're going to talk about complete dick wits. Uh, it goes beyond, and it's Hey Dad's Robert Hughes. Oh my god, yep. I had that on my list. He has to be mentioned because he, he was a terrible character and, of course, mm-hmm. a terrible man. He's been his just desserts in Long Bay Prison. So stiff shit, Robert Hughes. I know you're uh, probably listening because you've got nothing else to do. Shame on you. <laughs> <laughs> Along with Bill oh, Cosby. This- Bill Cosby. Yeah. Yeah. His hair. How bad was that guy's hair? Yeah, if you look back, the alarm bells were there from day one on that show. Yes. Did you hear how when he went to prison he was getting rid of that day so they all collected their feces? In bags, they pelted him with their poo. So he started Ooh. walking down and started getting pelted and they had to run back and sit on an embankment until everyone had finished throwing their poo. Covered in uh, shit, sitting on a hill <laughs> crying. And then one of the some Maori uh, prisoner, big tough guy, called out, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been the best. Yeah, good prison justice. Sad, really. Craig McLaughlin. Bill Cosby, Rolf Harris. Oh, God, Rolf. Harvey Weinstein. There's a plethora of them. Gary Glitter. (laughs) Gary Glitter. Evil Knievel. What did Evil Knievel do? I just made that up because you guys used to love him. You used to have him on a motorbike, didn't you? You used to do stunts. See, or mustn't have been Evil Knievel. But do you remember we went to see that guy jump the Swan River and he never jumped? (laughs) He sat there for like three hours. So I never actually did it. He pulled out and we all had to go Every home. It's just like, just go in the water. Just flop into the water at least. Do something. Yeah, he was going to jump from the Herbsman Island over to the mainland. They had the motorbike come and fang it up, but you're right next to it. Like, a guy could have just spun off and just killed everyone. <laughs> the safety issue. You're allowed to be so close to this motorbike. That would have been the 70s, I guess. Yes, that's right, with no seatbelts and all the rest of it. When your parents used to drive back from the Darlington picnic spot, off their chops 
with us sloshing around in the back with tadpoles. Yeah. Now, the other thing it. I want to listen to your last one about Doctor Who. I can't believe you guys didn't mention the Daleks and that Davros guy. I mean, to escape the Daleks, all you have to do is run up a flight of stairs. But Davros, oh, and Davros, really. Let's face it, you go up some stairs, it's over. But he was a creepy old man. That's <laughs> With a hilarious fake black vinyl top. Yeah, that was yeah. creepy. Oh, top was creepy. Did you yeah. um, remember the Chinese puppet, Lily? Yes. Yeah. I remember us pretending that we were written hiding in that chest in your bedroom and tapping on it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I know. Nelly was also a bit shocked about that. Poor, poor Uncle Darts. Like, we were like, yeah, well, we had to entertain ourselves somehow. And actually, Nelly, just on that, your mum made me run through dog poo to join a game <laughs> with her and uh, my cousin Andrea one time. They were playing houses and I wanted to join <laughs> in and throw that in with the Balinese monkey and the magpies. It was fun, fun, fun growing up. <laughs> and the Chinese puppet. <laughs> And Charlie's puppet in my uh, bedroom closet. Thanks, yeah. guys. You turned out fine, right? Yeah, just a bit twitchy. That was a extended version of Mount Rushmore of Dick Wits on TV. Awesome to have Lily on. I think definitely have to get her back. What do you reckon, bro? Definitely. Great episode. I wouldn't be surprised if I get kicked off the show altogether. <laughs> Female Dick Wits. That could be a project. That could be homework. Chew the fat with Dan and Matt at gmail.com. Tell us if uh, you've got your own special list and if there are any female dickwits out there well done ladies on tv not too many of you and that was pop culture it's quiz time all right everyone now it's your favorite part of the episode No, you're bro. Okay, Dan, are you ready for this? I'm always ready, but that doesn't mean I always do well. I got some exciting questions here for you tonight. And, I, and actually, I think they're going to be a bit too easy. I need to really harden up because these are about movies and this is your area of expertise, all right? So number one, this movie is about two brothers who are kind of immature adults, but they're like, almost like fully grown kids. And they live with their parents still. After a while, their, their respective parents marry and they're really spewing about it. But eventually, they actually realize that they're exactly the same. They become kind of like soulmates and then they find great success. These two brothers are called Brendan Huff and Dale Dobble. Do you know what movie I'm talking about? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think, is it John C. Riley and good old, is it Step Brothers? Is that the movie, Step, Step Brothers? Brothers, the movie, yeah, that's correct. Too easy. With Will Farrell. Will, Will Farrell and John C. Riley. Love those guys. Pretty good movie, that one. Okay, second one. Okay, these two brothers are called Seth and Richie, right? Last name, Gecko. They uh, rock up to a strip club that actually is full of vampires. Seth is kind of a straight-up hard guy. Richie's a real freak. Richie ends up turning to vampire and Seth has to kind of choose and ends up bad for Richie. Any idea what movie I'm talking about? It's got Selma Hayek and she is pretty fine in that movie. Yep, snake hot. That would be Dust Till Dawn. And mm. Richie is played by Quentin Tarantino and the other guy, Clooney, George Clooney. George Good movie. Clooney. Went bit, you know, haywire as um, Tarantino's movies often do. They seem to be going a pretty straight line and then go completely nuts. So that was a classic example. Too easy again, too easy. This one's about a 
two brothers, of course, as they all have been. One brother discovers that his inheritance has gone to another brother he didn't even know existed, his older brother. And his older brother was autistic, right? So he slicks him out, you know, and tries to work out a way to wangle his money out of his brother. But then they end up forming a, a great bond. His other brother is autistic. He has certain talents that the younger brother uses. Any idea, Dan? Well, bro, we say on the spectrum now. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes, that would be Dustin Hoffman as the uh, autistic child, or actually a man. Right. Don Cruz. Ray. Green brother. And that would be uh, Rain Man. I was talking about this uh, to my son the other day, actually. Austin, I was saying, look, uh, telling him the storyline, he, he was fascinated. It's a good film, Rain Man. He could count cards at Vegas, couldn't he? Yeah, that's right. I'm an excellent driver. <laughs> that's the one. Okay. I need to get you here somewhere. I'm not uh, doing Did he win an Academy for that? Dustin Hoffman? He must have. Yeah, they generally do when they play... On the spectrum, people, right? <laughs> That's right. And what's that movie uh, where they go in the jungle and the guy, um, it's Ben Stiller and he tries to play someone on the spectrum, Trop- if you like. Tropic Thunder, Thunder. Tropic Thunder. I love it. He goes for the Oscar and just plays the worst. And there's some there's some famous quote about you. Yeah. You can only play it to a point. Yeah, don't yeah. go the full basketball. Yes, that's the quote. That's the quote. And that had um, Robert Downey Jr. with playing like a black man as well. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. How did that movie get made? Post COVID, no Tropical Thunder. Yeah, that's a good movie as well. Okay, now these two brothers, one was a bit older than the other, and one became a white supremacist and was kind of a nasty piece of work. Eventually, he got caught, went to jail. Anyway, he goes to jail and gets sorted out. Besides that, you know. All people equal, and he's not. He don't want to be white supremacist. He comes out, finds that his younger brother has taken up in his footsteps, and it's like, "Yeah, bro, I keep doing it. Let's do it." And he has to try and dissuade his brother from being, you know, like trying to prove to him that he's wrong. All people are equal, and uh, but his brother's like taking up his mantle when he was in jail. Any idea what movie I'm talking about? Yeah, and one of my favorite actors, Ed Norton, and that's American History X. I love that film. Really good choice there, bro. And a horrible scene where he curbs a guy curbing. I didn't even know that was a thing where you put a guy's face on the curb and stomp on it. God, you're going good in this one. Okay. My last one here. I'm going to have to really work on some harder ones. Next next one I've got uh, is these two brothers. Three brothers, actually, in total. But there's two brothers that I want to talk about. After their dad dies, the uh, one brother has to take over the crime family which is kind of like a, you know, mafiosa thing. The other brother refuses to help, you know, and he's kind of like being a prick about it. And then when he gets really drunk, he admits to someone about a crime that his other brother did because, you know, he had to take over the fire and they did the hits and stuff. In the end, his brother takes him out on the lake and he he uh, gets shot. Do you have any idea what two brothers I'm talking about? Yeah. I can't remember their names. Sonny. There was Sonny, I think, was was one, was one of the brothers. And he's then, of one course, of the brothers. A, and then there's a lawyer that's never quite, he's Jewish, so he's not accepted as blood, but he's like a brother. And then there's the Weasley, he's, it's like Richie again. He's the Weasley black sheep brother. can't remember his name, but he's just a burden on the whole family and a blabbermouth. Fredo. Fredo, yeah. 
Yes, that must be the Godfather trilogy. And I think mm-hmm. Fredo gets shot in Godfather 2, doesn't he? They finally have yeah. Jack of him and out on the lake. Yeah, poor old Pacino has to put his brother down. Is Michael. Was Michael. Oh, Michael. 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 That was Vito. That's his dad. They, I'm ready for a revisit those films. They are so good. They really are like timeless movies. Yeah, I wonder whether my kid would want to watch it like my sons, but they have short attention spans. They take a bit of watching, don't they? Yeah, I was just going to say that. that It's a real slow burn. You have to really commit some time. Kids these days might not have the patience, and that's no offence to them, but the movies now, you just they take you on a roller coaster from beginning to end that's full bore. I hope young kids oh, take fully offence to this. Kids, understand, <laughs> take some time to like something. Take full offence at this. You're useless little prats. Get your act together. <laughs> and it's okay to be bored. Jesus. Mm. Be bored. Bored's okay. Bored means you're settling and calming and getting deeper thoughts going on. Your kids need to be totally constantly entertained. It's ridiculous. Be bored. Embrace boredom. Okay. So that's no, your bro. You totally killed it. I'm going to have to come up with some very random bros to trick you. That's for sure. Well, you did have some previous random bros, Cain and Abel. Biblical track is probably a little bit trickier for me, but yes, I, but they were good ones. Yeah, yeah, and you're good at movies, and I shouldn't have closed that area probably. There's actually some juicy ones as well that I, I've looked all oh, up with that one for the next week, so there might have to be some more someday down the road. Yeah. I love your quiz. I can't believe how many bro you can keep going with it. I thought it would peter out, but I guess there's, yeah, pop culture's full of bros, isn't it? That was quiz time. Hit us with uh, an email at chew the fat with Dan and Matt at gmail.com. I got one more thing. I got my first client the other day. You know what, what I'm talking about? Client? Yeah. Oh, for your supernatural business that you're running. You're kidding. Definitely. The person rings me up. This lady rings me up. She has a haunted house and she lives at Manning. Where were you advertising? Uh, it's on Facebook and Gumtree. And I have stickers stuck up around the place. So. It's going to end in like some horrific haunting. Wowzers. Special, specialists. Have you witnessed something unusual? Proctor and Sons, specialists in unexplained phenomenon. Proctor at gmail.com. Call 0417-995-060. Paranormal Investigations. Proctor and Son. Sounds like the I.I. doing his little panel exam. So this lady rings up and she's like, you know, I don't believe in this shit much. I really wasn't expecting to actually have anyone ring me up. She's saying, but, you know, I was walking around my house. These uh, lampshades, you know, I walked under and landed right on my head. Just fell out of the roof and landed on my head. And I'm like, she goes, once it happened. And then I walked to, you know, a in the next room a couple of days later, another one landed on my head. And she goes, when the third time it happened, I was really freaked out. I was like, this is this, this can't be just a coincidence that they keep dropping on my head. I was going, yeah, there's possibly a, uh, some sort of paranormal activity. It does seem a bit unusual. You know, I don't believe in this shit, but, you know, you guys obviously uh, look into it a bit. And I'm, yes, yeah, we had lots of cases like. She's in the bath. Doorbell rang two times and she had to jump out of the bath. 
when there's no one there. And that sounds like the kid next door likes to seeing you running naked through the uh, house. But didn't want to say that. Yes, yeah, that could be something. It sounds a, almost electrical-based, your specter at your house. And then she's saying the TV turns on in, and she goes in there and there's no one there and then turns off again when she's watching it. It's on and off. And uh, she said she's walking down the corridor and she hears his footsteps go boop, boop, boop behind her. And her son's not there, not even in the house. And she can hear it. And then she felt one time she got bumped like sideways and like in the corridor. And then and she heard the footsteps run off. So, wow. oh, sheesh. Oh, yeah. So it sounds like you have quite a uh, powerful specter there at your premises. Well, you know, man, I asked the thing she I've moved out of the house. Did you ever uh, have any other occurrences since you moved? And she goes, no, no, I haven't. And I said, oh, mate, maybe it's just the house that's the problem. And she said, oh, I talked to the people only. It and they said it never happened since they they've been there and you know wow. yeah and so I've got the address here I guess I've got to go around there is there areas of the house that seem really cold you know colder than other areas of the house and she's like oh you know like in the kitchen near the fridge and I'm like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when I open the freezer. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, I was just trying to be really ghosty. You're going to have to go out and buy like an old TV aerial from a salvage yard and get a little suit. What are you going to do? <laughs> Rock up with like a little esky and I gotta get one of an old air. Beep, beep, beep things that like some like beeps and then I can control. <laughs> but she said that. Um, Wear your headphones. I, I, I dealt like she. Well, I had a, like a 45 minute conversation with her and she's like telling me that her mother was a white witch. She thinks it's a bullshit, but her mum's a white witch. She's apparently delved with tarot cards. Her mother said you should mess with those. And I was like, yes, yeah, a powerful force. You can unlock all sorts of things with tarot cards. And she's going, I knew I shouldn't have used them, you know. Well, I don't know, bro. I don't know if you should delve into this. You're going to take the Mickey out of the supernatural. This this could backfire. Oh, you should watch out because, you know, what Proctor and Sons is not just me. You actually oh, right. are part of Proctor and Sons. I'm Max Proctor and you're Damien Proctor and our dad, a long-time uh, paranormal investigator. And now we're taking over the business. You're, Damien. Yeah, you don't like that? I'm the evil little... Proctor brother. Oh, well, I'll have to go and get myself an old aerial in the salvage yard. <laughs> Good. But this house has been sold, hasn't it? There's no... You can't just knock on the door and say, well, we've heard your house is haunted. Yeah, I think we'll just have to trace around outside for uh, spectral areas maybe and uh, cold zones. But I'm not sure exactly what, what we'll do. i got no idea what to do about it. I'm not a big believer, but I wouldn't want to mess with it. I don't want to put myself in the firing line in case, you know, you've seen those ones that come home with you. To see things that, like unusual would be so cool if there's actually something else out there. That's why I'm kind of interested to, if there's anything that could be true about it, see it and my theory is that you can't really get trained in this stuff so i'm good as trained as anyone else right you and me very true we know just as much as about anyone about this because there's no ghost training you can do so why not we do it but i just could be a little bit more prepared next time someone actually rings me up well you heard it first people get on to proctor and sons if you've got some supernatural occurrences around your neck of the woods yep um, www.boo.com Get on it. Is that seriously the web address? <laughs> All right. That brings us to the end of episode five. Thanks so much for listening. And next week, we're probably going to return to a little bit of a more structured program, I think, uh, with just maybe Wild Kingdom, Pop Culture, 
Love the quiz. Bro, been great chatting to you, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Yeah, really enjoyed this episode, Dan, especially our special guest. Awesome. Thanks for joining us, Lily. It was awesome having you on the show. So we'll see you next time on Chew the Fat with Dan and Matt. We can send you, I told you. Help me in the vibrations of the universe inside of me. Help me beat the shit out of my evil please.